0: Are saunas overrated? Saunas have gotten a lot of attention, and rightfully so. There have been a lot of studies on them. And we're going to go over exactly what the stress response is to a sauna. And, you know, maybe some of the considerations when it comes to applying this really popular method to your physiology. So, First off, in order to understand sauna, exercise, cold water immersion, any of these stressors, you need to understand the concept of hormesis. And the hormetic zone is when stress or toxins in small doses stimulate beneficial biological responses. So something that would be harmful in a a toxin or a stressor that would be harmful in a much larger dose, which pretty much applies to any stress or toxin, Um, If the dose is controlled, then it stimulates a beneficial biological response. So once you understand that, then you can contextualize what exactly is happening when you immerse yourself in cold water or when you step into the sauna or when you exercise. And these are all examples of stressors that in proper doses stimulate super beneficial biological responses, but you can overdose on them. So now we're going to go through each physiological system and talk about how that system responds to sauna exposure. Now the review that I read was conducted in 2018 and it included both infrared and dry saunas. So that's worth mentioning, uh, dry sauna, meaning finished sauna. So the sauna that's in your VASA or your 24 hour fitness. And so it's important to make that distinction because uh, the review did not distinguish between findings in studies of infrared saunas versus studies in dry finished saunas. But generally it is all stress. So the physiological systems respond in very similar ways. So there might be minor differences in like secretion of a certain hormone, but the various physiological systems all have a hormetic or a uh, stress response to heat therapy. So Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about what that looks like. Um, so cardiovascularly, so your heart rate increases, your cardiac output increases, your skin blood flow increases and your heart rate variability also increases, meaning your resting heart rate probably goes down. And so, yeah, those are all ways that the CB system responds to stress. In one study with athletes, their plasma volume increased, which means lower hematocrit, which means lower percentage of red blood cells uh, relative to the volume of the blood, which means lower viscosity, which means improved circulation. So in athletes, you might have an implication there that I'll return to later. So uh, there were only two studies in the review that I read on athletes. And so it's a really limited amount of data. However, um, yeah, still interesting findings there on plasma plasma volume, excuse me. So, okay. Pulmonary stress, uh, your lungs do more work. Uh, nothing really more to say there, but your, your lungs do more work when you get in the sauna, which is a pulmonary response to stress. Musculoskeletal. So the findings here were from a different review, but they were (laughs) primarily focused on patients with rheumatoid arthritis and, uh, Generally, uh, uh, joint discomfort or uh, musculoskeletal discomfort of some kind, and so they reported improved pain and joint mobility. And I'm going to talk in a little bit about why that is and why what the mechanisms are, and why we need to take that finding with a bit of a grain of salt. Okay, uh, nervous system. So you get into the sympathetic nervous system, and uh, which is what happens when you're stressed out. So um, parasympathetic would be rest and digest. Sympathetic would be fight or flight. Uh, just for simple, easy, memorable reference. Endocrine system. So your noradrenaline increased. Uh, some studies reported lower adrenaline. And, but they, the review didn't distinguish when that was measured. Uh, so adrenaline being a stress hormone, I would suspect that adrenaline is actually more likely to increase slightly during the exposure and then maybe come down on the back end of the exposure once, you know, one to two hours later, once you're uh, back to allostasis. Higher cortisol to be expected, higher nitric oxide metabolites. And this is the one that everyone loves growth hormone. So, uh, also prolactin. So, <laughs> if you, so uh, I love how. We take, oh, like dear uh, uh, pituitary gland uh, secretes growth hormone when you get in the sauna. So sauna is going to like make you jacked. It's like, guys, just calm down for a second. That's what happens when you exercise. That's what happens when you, uh, that's what the endocrine system does when you stress it out. And uh, growth hormone is often involved when, it, even when uh, performing resistance training. So there's nothing that says, oh, the getting in the sauna is, in a highly resistance trained individual is going to, that the jury is still out on that. You know, you might get a little bit more growth hormone in your blood, but like, okay, just, we need to calm down on that finding because that's what happens. That's part of the endocrine stress response. So uh, especially to resistance training. So um, thinking that you're gonna get in the sauna and that you're like suddenly gonna like grow all this tissue is like not the case. Okay. Um, detoxification. So, yes, so you do obviously sweat a lot when you get in the sauna. And subjects burdened with toxicants self reported subjective improvement in their well being, uh, which is cool. And then there were, we do know it has been demonstrated that there are heavy metals, pesticides, petrochemicals excreted in sweat. It's not conclusive that they are, but it's possible. Uh, would go so far as to say likely, just with the common sense test there. And the amount that is excreted is similar or higher than urination. So uh, those are two main ways that the human organism detoxifies. Okay, couple notes on research designs. So in this particular 2018 review, there were other reviews, like I said, that I went through, but in one 2018 review, the main one that I went through, two studies were done with athletes. So if you're an athlete, maybe you know take some of these findings with a bit more of a grain of salt because what a clinical study defines as a healthy population is not an athletic population. They're super different. And so uh, the, the stress response in a completely untrained, otherwise quote-unquote healthy uh, by clinical definition is super detrained in in most circumstances and so so uh the stress response is likely to be more pronounced in that individual because they don't do anything else so um whereas if you're used to you know maybe exercising in really hot weather and getting your heart rate up to 180 beats per minute and you're like yeah i know what it's like to sweat and be really hot then getting in the sauna is going to be kind of business as usual So it's actually going to be even more passive and probably less stressful. Whereas for a clinically quote unquote healthy, and a lot of the studies, only five studies were done with clinically healthy populations. All the other studies were done with disease populations. So it's got to contextualize the findings of these studies because a clinically healthy population is like so far away from an athletic population. It's like totally detrained again, like total, uh, like lack of stress on the organism. And so when you stress it out a little bit with cold water immersion or sauna exposure, it's like, okay, that's the only stress that you're getting. So of course you get this like crazy beneficial response to it. So if you're an athlete, just take that with a grain of salt. Okay. Conclusions. If you are sick or injured and can't move, then the sauna is a wonderful intervention because you still get the stress to all of these. You still get the stress response in all of these physiological systems without the need to move. So if you're impaired, uh, if you're movement impaired for whatever reason, maybe you have a CBD, cardiovascular disease, or you uh, have a musculoskeletal injury or something like that, and you really want to get some cardiovascular stress in, then it's super awesome. Uh, I've been using a hot bath this week for that reason, because uh, I've got a little bit of an uh, injury. And so I still want to circulate a lot, a lot of blood and get some CV stress, get my get tachycardic, heart rate above 100 beats per minute, and get some uh, blood flow to the skin. And so I get in the bath and it, it's really hot and I'm, I'm getting all those, I'm getting a li- really minor uh, stress response. While I'm kind of hobbling around. So, yeah, so it's awesome for that. And that is the main population that it is super beneficial for. So, I'm going to talk about why it's really not all that cracked up to be when you apply it uh, to maybe an athletic population. So, okay, first to review for athletes, there were two studies done on athletes. One study reported higher plasma volume, which means lower hematocrit. AKA percentage of red blood cells, Uh, percentage of the volume is red blood cells, which means lower viscosity of the blood, which means improved circulation. However, these levels return to normal seven to 10 days after the last exposure. So, what does that mean? Well, maybe, maybe if you're an endurance athlete or an aerobic athlete of some kind, and you want to use this as part of your peaking because you're already crazy stressed out with the intensification of your training, and you are just trying to squeeze as much stress as possible into the 24 hours that you have in your day, Um, maybe. The reason I say maybe and not an enthusiastic yes is because I think that generally speaking, athletes should concentrate as much stress as possible in the most specific skill area possible, meaning if you are a runner or you are a swimmer or you are a cyclist, then if you have any margin to add stress to the system, then you should run, you should swim, or you should cycle more. (laughs) That is my opinion when it comes to training athletes. Now, like I said, if you had an injury or you're dealing with an injury with that, which athletes often are during intensification, and you're not like, okay, you need to manage your structure, you need to manage your musculoskeletal uh, uh, disruption while you're intensifying for a competition, and you just are, as part of that management protocol, are not able to take on the same amount of skill specific stress, then sure. Get in the sauna and get a little bit more stress in. And that's great. So it's really the same guidance as, uh, for any individual who is movement impaired or sick. It's a wonderful in intervention when you're movement impaired or sick. Um, and that applies to athletes as well. So, yeah, yeah, guys, um, that's really, that's, That's my take on saunas. Uh, It's a very small take. It was mostly just a review of what the literature says. And the literature, of course, says that you get all these beneficial stress responses to it. And my opinion on that is, yeah, it's really similar to the stress response you get from exercise. Uh, So I'm an exercise advocate. I think that uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, movement is superior. Uh, For the human organism, if you can do it, then you should do it. And a lot of the studies are done on really sick populations or untrained populations who are not able to exercise. And so the stress response is magnified because they're super detrained and super deconditioned to any type of stress. So gotta take the findings with a grain of salt. Now, again, if you're movement impaired or you're sick and the movement is risky for you or not possible for you, then Absolutely get in a sauna, get some stress, get some hormetic benefit. And yeah, guys, that's my take on saunas.